the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Plan for your prosperity. Prepare for your retirement. Safeguard your savings. And nurture your investments. This is the Max Out Savings Show with Ted Gioka, a presentation of Max Out Savings Advisors. Now, here's your host from Max Out Savings Advisors, Ted Gioka. Welcome to the Max Out Savings Show. I'm Ted Gioka, and we are talking savings investments in your retirement as we do every weekend on the Max Out Savings Show. The Max Out Savings Show is one of Houston's longest-running financial shows. We've been on for over a decade and uh, talking savings investment and, and really your retirement. We started the show out uh, a long time ago. As I get older, I just really don't want to think about time, but uh, it's uh, – uh, you know, we, we've talked, uh, the savings that during that time was close to zero and we recognized there was a problem in, in other countries, it was five, six, seven, 8%. But in the United States, it, it was, it was zero at the time. And we said, uh, you need, we talked about the importance of savings money and we, and importance of building up wealth. We, we, we talked about our 401k plans and how that was the greatest wealth generating tool in the history of of the world, and, uh, and, and we, our motto and our philosophy was to save aggressively and invest conservatively. That was a key to building up wealth over over the long term. We felt like after being in the business for over twenty five years, it really, it it. Uh, it really that is the key to building up wealth is is to save aggressively and in conservatively invest the money, and that is more important now than ever. Uh, you know, you know, in a world of tremendous uncertainty. And and and, and uh, record sky high deficits, out of control government spending, uh, terror attacks almost daily now, and 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 things are out of control. So you have to take charge of your future and protect yourself. And and and, and that's always the way you do it. Now we get we got a lot to talk about in the show today. <laughs> we talk some about the politics. We're talking some about. Uh, about savings, we're going to be talking, uh, what about oil prices? Uh, down quite a bit in here. Uh, what's going on there? We're going to be talking about uh, the markets, uh, what's happening in the world today. So so we get, we got a lot to talk about on the show here. And uh, the where do I start? I mean, it's just I have, uh, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, uh, something interesting I, I just want to uh, touch base on is uh, the uh, – Let's let's do this. Why don't we? Uh, I want to talk about we could talk starting saving investment. Really, what is the difference between pre-tax and after-tax money? You hear this uh, talk a lot: pre-tax and after-tax money. Uh, uh, pre-tax money is money you put into a four hundred one k plan, uh, IRA, uh, those t- SEP IRA, simple IRA, your four hundred three b, your four fifty seven. What that simply means is is they is you take this money and you don't pay any taxes on it and you put it in a savings account and you get deductions. That's called pre-tax money. After-tax money is after you pay the taxes on it. It's your money to spend. It, it, it's if you decide to do a Roth IRA, for instance, you can use after-tax money. If, if you just put money in your a checking or savings account, that's after-tax money. Uh, if you if you just engaged in in a stock buyback pro, uh, a stock program at the company that's typically after tax money unless it's inside your four hundred one k so after tax money is after you paid the taxes on it pre tax is pre tax now w- w- one thing uh, everyone here is pretty familiar with Warren Buffett one of the greatest investors of all time uh, and so the shrewdest guy around and everything and every uh when you know when the world stops to listen when when uh, Warren Buffett talks what a lot of people don't realize about Warren Buffett is when he started out he recognized the tremendous power of of pre-tax money in money that grows on a tax-free basis he takes into account taxes in everything he does 
uh, he purchased an insurance. How he got into insurance is he realized that he could tax shelter his investments in the insurance company and use the insurance company as a tax shelter vehicle. So he realized if the tax rates are twenty five percent, he 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 can do he, and he can shelter his income. He gets twenty five percent more returns than everybody else. It's pretty simple. And much of investing really revolves around mathematics, and that's something where we're going to be working themes more and more on the show, talking about this type of stuff. Really, it, it's the mathematics of it. And so, uh, Warren Buffett pays so much attention to taxes. He is often, I, I think it was the Kraft or Mondelez deal. I, I, I believe he bought Gino's Pizza and he swapped him his Kraft stock for the Gino's Pizza in a tax-free trade. So he had big profits in his Kraft stock. He didn't when he swapped out the Genos. He kept the, he he it, it, he got the same cost basis as his craft stock. He didn't have to pay any taxes in, in selling his craft stock. His new tax basis was just moved over to the uh, Genos Pizza. Uh, and I, I believe that that that's correct on the name there. But but everything Warren. What, what I want you to understand is the greatest investor in the United States of America that really built it up from nowhere. Uh, you could say uh, uh, Bill Gates. You could say uh, Jeff Bezos. But they built companies. Warren Buffett did it investing. The greatest investor in the United States. His number one thing he pays attention to is taxes. And so you should too. And that's why you should use use. Uh, a 401k or uh, to to get a deduction when you put the money in and then grow your money tax free. Remember, you want to invest like Warren Buffett. And, and a lot of people, what they forget with Warren Buffett is there's two me- methods for Warren Buffett. There's Warren Buffett, the great value investor, and there's Warren Buffett, the absolutely brilliant tax guy, to eliminate to remember his tax to minimize his taxes. So something to think about uh, when when you're doing your investing. The hmm, where to start? Uh, a couple. Yeah, I, I tell you what. I have a couple things I wanted to go over here. Where where's my uh, quote? I, I saw a couple great quotes here. Uh, the uh, what, what what we want to do some on the show is is with the presidential election coming on. We we, we have a lot of different things. People are saying all types of stuff. And I, I I wanted to take a look at at one of the things that Donald Trump said. Donald Trump made some comments about. We're we're gonna ba- we we we're not gonna stay in NATO if NATO is not gonna carry their fair share. We shouldn't be responsible for defending all of Europe. And the establishment in Washington went completely crazy. Claimed Donald Trump was was nuts. He was a maniac. He's gonna cause World War Three and everything else. Same thing they said about Reagan, by the way. And 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 they attacked him. Particularly the the Republican establishment went wild with this. Said it was completely irresponsible to turn his back on our allies. Let's take a look at defense spending in the world today. The United States spends 3.5% of our GDP on defense spending. Back in 1988, it was 5.6%. Those are a couple of numbers I want you to remember. Uh, that one of the highest in the world is really Israel, 5.2, and actually the Saudis at 10.4%. Let's take a look at Europe. We're spending 3.5%. Uh, France is spending 2.2%. The UK is spending 2.2% of their GDP on defense. And Germany... Where all our bases are located at and our equipment is located and we're spending billions of dollars to defend NATO and have our equipment there is spending 1.2% of GDP. So instead, they're taking that extra uh, 2.4% of GDP over the United States and they're allocating it to programs for their citizens uh, into new factories and equipment to to compete against the United States in automobiles and everything else. The Germans, you got to give the, the Germans are very shrewd people. They're also very frugal. You know, and their philosophy is sort of, look, why should we spend money on defense if we can get the United States of America to pay for it? They'll pay for anything. It, it, all we have to do is, you know, run up the commie flag and, 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 and they will continue to pay for defense. So Germany is paying 1.2% of GDP in defense. The United States of America is paying 3.5% on GDP. Now, my philosophy in government spending is very simple. When government officials spend money, they're spending money of people that work for a living. 
people that are trying to support their families, people that are working two jobs, people that are working overtime to try to get ahead, people that are struggling are putting money and paying to the government. And the government is taking that hard-earned money of those citizens, and they're going over and defending Germany. And, and so Donald Trump was completely correct in this. Now you said, Ted, Ted, well, look, let's look at it another way. Uh, remember uh, World War II, the German panzer tanks, the most fearsome operation in the world? Well, how many? Uh, so certainly Germany would have a whole bunch of tanks to defend against Russia, who is threatening them. Uh, Russia has fifteen to twenty thousand tanks. The true number is probably closer to fifteen thousand realistic tanks. A lot of it's in storage over there. Uh, United States, we've got uh, about sixty-five hundred tanks. Uh, how many tanks would you think that Germany has? Ryan, would you like to guess? You were in Afghanistan. You're like. You know, big time. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, they have 200, uh, uh, 5,000. No, they have 225 tanks. 225 tanks. We have 6,500 tanks. The French have 407 tanks. And, and so uh, the, uh, so uh, uh, Korea has 2,500 tanks. Even Japan, the pacifists they are, have 1,000 tanks. So what Germany is doing is they're letting us put all our tanks over there, all our equipment to defend Germany. We're paying for it, and the Germans are. That is what – and the reason for this talk is that's what Donald Trump is seeing. He's looking at these numbers and saying 3.5% GDP. The Germans are at 1.2. Why are we paying for this? Why are our citizens paying for this? And he sees that. So he says, look – we're not going to we're going to renegotiate NATO or we're going to do something to make sure these people pay. And uh, now Germany's going to say, look, we're pacifists. We went through World War Two. We're so traumatized. We're going to go. Yes, yes, that's true. But we're tired of paying for your problems. And, and, and so so understand when Donald Trump says this, there's real there's real mathematics and thinking behind what he's looking at. And, and understand that the Germans and particularly in the Europeans overall, uh, they're paying between 1.2% and 2.2% of GDP for defense. We're paying 3.5%. That means we're taking money away from schools for our kids, uh, better education, and other, other money that we could allocate elsewhere to help the American people. So understand when Donald Trump says these things, this is what he's talking about. When I'm going to get tough with NATO, we're not going to defend it. We're going to renegotiate. They're not carrying their fair share. And by the way, Trump knew this, and so did George W. Bush, and they tried to do something, and they got exactly nowhere, and they didn't really do anything because it was too hard. And, and so uh, I just wanted to point it out. Again, it's the mathematics of the situation. Uh if you've got any questions or comments, you can give us a call, as always, here on the Max Out Saving Show at 713-339-1070. That's 713-339-1070 here on the Max Out Saving Show. The, back in 2014, when oil was $90, we wrote some warnings uh, about what was happening with oil prices. Back in September, oil was $90 in our Max Out Savings Report. This is the same report you get free by going to maxoutsavings.com. Uh, we were able to avoid a lot of the oil collapse for our clients. And the reason is, is we detected some of these problems and we warned ahead of time of what was happening. But what we simply pointed out is we had a chart of oil prices and we were really concerned when it broke 100 and started going down when it was about $93, actually $98. We wrote this in the report. Oil was $100, and we said that we talked about the International Energy Agency trim forecast for oil demand, uh, it, 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 and, and there was a huge drop in oil demand. We warned that oil prices were going lower. So, so and we, we, we talked quite a bit about this, it, it, and we wanted people to understand what was happening with oil prices and, 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 and we and we pointed out that oil price, uh, uh, production was went from in in 2008 was was five million barrels and now in 2015 it was 9.3 expected an 86 percent increase and we we were concerned about oil prices and, and so now we have oil prices uh, uh, down here in the 40s what's going to happen for here and I want to talk about that in a second but let's take a quick call from Charles can we get Charles in hello Charles how you doing doing fine. Uh- <clears throat> I've got a, really two questions here okay. uh, that are kind of somewhat interrelated. Uh, the first has to do with the city bond rating and the $3 billion deficit that the city is facing. 
you know, compared to maybe Detroit, I guess we we still look better. But you know, three billion is 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 not chump change. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, Mike, Mike, I guess the question I have is is moving forward, do you see this thing really improving? I mean, uh, you know, when we had the last mayoral election, <coughs> uh, I think our current mayor was talking about <coughs> trying to ne- renegotiate the pensions, uh-huh. <coughs> which I don't know if that was ever done successfully per se, but uh, there was talk about the the Dome Stadium as to what to do with that thing. And, you know, in my mind, I look at that thing, and, I mean, I know that there's a lot of Greenpeace people and environmental people and green space, all that business. But, you know, that property is pretty valuable, and I'm wondering why the city, uh, Mayor uh, Mayor Turner, wouldn't look at that as a potential opportunity to sell that to the highest bidder and draw down some of that debt as opposed to trying to turn this thing into something that's really not going to be much of a moneymaker, if at all. In fact, it'll probably end up being another expense for the city. The second thing... Okay, okay. I'm going to stop you right there, because I'm going to answer that real quick, and then we'll take a break and get to your second question, Charles. Uh, Look, uh, uh, the the city, they have to do something. These pensions are a disaster, and and it's really dragging down the city. This goes back to Lee Brown set these things up years ago, and they've been working. It's going to take a lot of work for them to to get those things straightened out. And the problem is with falling oil prices, it's making that their job much more difficult. Uh, look, I understand what you're saying. Uh, a couple things. I, I believe the Dome Stadium is owned by the county, not the city, if I remember right. And the, the, the one thing I kind of, I understand the, the thing on the Dome, but this is the thing about the, the Astrodome. This thing was built in the 1960s. It was, it, it, people looked at the Dome Stadium like they look at, at a Tesla electric car today. I mean, it it was so so revolutionary. There was nothing like it in the world. It, and 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 we're the first ones that came up with the dome stadium and air conditioning. It was people were just mesmerized by Houston doing this. And 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 and, and so it it I, I get it. if we could save it. I mean, it it really is. It's it's a testament to what the city of Houston is able to do, has the can do attitude in Houston. And so. With that one except the dome stadium was unlike anything that's ever come about. I mean, Reliant Reliant looks like chump change today compared in in relation to what the dome stadium was then, and that's that's the that's the hard thing with that, Charles. But 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 to answer your question to get specifically, I think the stadium is owned by the county. Uh, but tell what, let's take the other question. Hold through the break and we'll be right back. If that's okay, that's fine. Okay, thanks, Charles. If you've got savings and investment questions, Ted Gioka has answers. Call the Max Out Savings Show now at 713-339-1070. We'll be right back. Fire the stockbroker and hire yourself. I'm Larry Levin, and I've been on the trading floor for 23 years. I was one of the biggest traders in the S&P pit. I'm also the president of Trading Advantage, a leading educational firm teaching people how to become professional day traders. Now, for a limited time, I'm offering one of the trading techniques I use to make $1.9 million for free. Get started right now by calling 800-288-0092. Leave your email address on my voicemail, and I'll email you my free trading technique and my daily insider market report at no cost to you. This is the very information I use to build my fortune. I was getting ready to retire. I still needed to make extra income, but I didn't want to work for anyone else. Because of Larry and his excellent instructors, I can trade successfully for myself, and I'll never have to work for someone else again. Fire the stockbroker and hire the most dependable person you know, you. Again, call in the next 90 minutes and leave your email address on my voicemail. Call 800-288-0092. That's 800-288-0092. 800-288-0092. Downtime with your family? That's good. Downtime for your hydraulics-enabled equipment? Not so good. Cranes, specialized haulers, bucket and digger trucks. When they're not working, you're losing ground and money. South Coast Hydraulics can monitor, service, and repair the hydraulic systems that keep your equipment working. South Coast can design and install hydraulic systems for mobile and industrial applications, tool or press systems, complete manufacturing lines. When you think hydraulics, think South Coast Hydraulics. SCHydraulics.com. 
I'm going to be on vacation for a week or so. I'll be on a beach. Don't call me. I'll call you. I'm going to try to decompress and get a little R&R in before the general election gets underway in earnest. But never fear the great Sam Malone from our affiliate in Houston, AM 1070. The answer will be guest hosting for me all week long, and you're going to love the job Sam does. I hope you can participate and call him and support him. Sam Malone on the next Mike Gallagher Show. The Mike Gallagher Show with Sam Malone on AM 1070. The answer. Once again, here's your host for the Max Out Savings Show, Ted Gioka. Welcome back to the Max Out Savings Show. We're talking savings investments in your retirement. We had, we've taken some questions from Charles. Hey, Charles, you there? Yes, I sure am. Uh, uh, just as a closing thought on that, uh, uh, what, is the, what is the Harris County's uh, uh, financial position? I mean, we, it seems like you know the city's gotten publicized, but where do they stand on their debt? You know, I think they're in much better shape. I, you know, when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my father-in-law on this, and he, and he worked for the county uh, in a pretty high position there, and he was kind of explaining how well-run the county was so, uh, and how it was at the city. But, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, they're in much better shape. Okay. Uh, really, the pensions are the problem with the city. Yeah, no, I understand that. I mean, they got great workers. They got great people. It's actually a very efficient operation. It, it's just those pensions. Right. Uh, 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 the second question I have has to do with the housing market, basically. And I'm looking, you know, I mean, it doesn't take much for someone to just pick up the Chronicle classifieds or something. And when you go in there and look at the housing market, and you know, to me, your thoughts on whether we are really in a housing price bubble? Because I I don't see anything now being literally sold or advertised for probably four hundred less than four hundred thousand. I mean, it's just getting to the part now where everything you see is in the six is well in the seven figures. If not, it's it's in the upper six figures. And I look at the demographics and the population here, and, with, and as you uh, pointed out earlier, I mean, with the energy situation being down and really not improving in any in any respect, based on the announcements from Shell and some of the other companies, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 and, and, and plus the aging demographics where people who are in these master plan communities. Uh, as they hang up the Q-stick, are going to be looking to actually move. I, most of the people that I've talked to are not willing to stay in these master plan communities because of the maintenance costs. It seems like a lot of them want to go out in the country or just get away, get out of there. And so they're trying to recover their the cost of their homes. But when I look at the demographics of a lot of the immigrants coming in here, they don't make that kind of money. And I'm trying to understand here who is going to, pick up that purchase price, and more importantly, for all this new construction, who can afford this? Because, you know, there's only so many Rockets players and Astros players <laughs> and all that can afford this stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, my mind, I'm just looking at this, the housing prices, and it just keeps escalating yeah. to where, I, you know, in my mind, unless people are going to take out 60-year mortgages, I really don't know how this is going to happen. Well, yeah, a couple of things there is on the higher end, I think there's a higher end bias when you're looking at housing. It's a lot more. It's more interesting. Uh, a six or seven or eight hundred thousand dollar home catches your eye for whatever reason. You know, even when you're reading much more than the, the hundred and fifty, the two hundred thousand dollar homes. What I'm hearing from real estate people is is the the four hundred thousand dollar plus homes are selling a lot slower. It kind of for what the reasons you talked about. Uh, they're really much slower. Uh, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people, and what seems to be happening is the homes in the uh, about eighty to two hundred thousand dollar are selling pretty well out there. Uh, in record low interest rates, uh, people are looking for a, a place, and most people can afford that. Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is, is but those type of homes that are not in the world's best neighborhood. So you know, the yeah. problem becomes. You know, those things are probably most the average person's probably not looking to move in those areas. Number one, but number two, the, the, you, when you talk about those higher homes, the one thing that I talk to people about that seems that they balk on that on on purchasing those kind of homes is the real estate taxes. Because if you're talking anywhere from three to three and a half, three and seven eighths on on the on the real estate taxes. 
that money is a chunk of money that that for the you know with two people with incomes that may have some kids and you know they got cars and they got all this stuff. It's just it's, uh, it's no, literally. No, look, out of I, I think the weakness to the high end market in Houston is, is twofold, Charles. One of them is it's oil prices are going down. We're going to talk some more about that. In 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 and people aren't getting bonuses and stuff. And I really am beginning to think these taxes are really starting to weigh on real estate simply because of that. Uh, you know, if you compare, say, uh, rural land to, to the taxes with an ag exemption, it's a pretty good deal compared to the, the, the you know, exactly. the ridiculous taxes on, on homes. And I think it's it's weighing on, on things out there. Uh, what I'm seeing is, is homes in reasonable neighborhoods uh, with reasonably good schools in the, in the two hundred and fifty and under are selling very quickly. Uh, and and uh, the higher end is really uh, is really much slower. And by the way, those immigrants you talked about is it's it's not that they can't. It's in many cases they won't spend that type of money on a big home. I mean they're very tight with their money uh, and they tend to save a lot of money. Right, and, and and as I said, going back to the demographics with the aging population, I think that, you know once the income, literally the the paycheck stops, people are still stuck with the maintenance fees and 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 all that stuff. And a lot of people are saying, just as you alluded to, the rural the rural is attractive from the cost standpoint. They want to get out of those subdivisions. And what I'm saying is, is who's going to step in? Because these people are not going to give their houses away. Yeah, no, so, look, that that's just it. But, you know, I tell you what, Charles, you look around the world and housing everywhere is very expensive. We're, you know, we're, we're pretty we're pretty cheap compared to, you know, $800,000 is not high end in in many parts of California or uh or, I mean, a $500,000 home is, is just kind of an average home in California or Connecticut. My cousin was down this week from Connecticut and, and uh, on the East Coast and stuff. And so our stuff is still reasonably cheap out there. Uh, look, I think the high end is in trouble, I, I think, for two reasons. I, and you just hit, the, you just nailed it. Oil prices are going down. Things are slowing down in this town. And I think we got a second leg coming down here. And, and the second thing, quite frankly, is the taxes have really gotten up in many in many places. The the uh, the uh, real estate uh, appraisers have been very aggressive. The appraisal districts have been very aggressive in pushing up. Uh, it used to be years ago, if your house was worth 200000 it was on the rolls for 150 Nowadays, if it's worth 200000 it's on the rolls for 195 Right, right. Okay, Ted. Well, I appreciate your insight. Okay, yeah, good, Charles. Good question. Look, oil prices, I, I think, are slowing down. We had the the earnings calls this week, uh, uh, and uh, you know, from Exxon, a number of the old big oil companies, and uh, you know, production was down. Uh, oil prices are down. Earnings missed, and and, uh, and what was worrisome to me was. It was it missed on on the upstream and the downstream. The uh, upstream is your field, your production. The downstream is your refining, and, and it missed in both cases. Uh, you know, I'm looking at oil prices. West Texas crude Friday closed at forty one sixty. It was actually in the in the forties and some change earlier in the day. It must have rallied back a little bit and. And uh, we've been we've been warning on urging caution in the oil sector for about four or five weeks since it was up in the 50s. We kind of said it would it was our our target range has really been about 43 to 53. It's actually underneath that right now Uh, at 50, 50 dollars. The oil companies make some money Uh, under under 50. They don't. And and look, with the refining margins going down the way, this is going to hurt some of the big majors. And, And I think these oil company, these energy stocks are ahead of themselves right now, personally. Uh, I think this is going to be a long, slow process in the energy sector. And what a lot of people don't realize, and we wrote about this some in the Max Out Savings Report, a lot of the the Chinese made tens of billions of dollars worth of loans to these oil-producing countries, and they were they gave them dollars and they wanted to exchange for oil. And I think it was it was a very shrewd strategy to uh, to do two things. It let them get out of the dollars, reduce the dollar holdings, and get oil. And also, it, they're using the oil that was going to come in, and they're putting in refineries in China, and then they're exporting the, the oil back out of the, the gasoline out of China. It, 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 and so now that oil prices have fallen from a hundred to forty dollars, they're having to give sixty uh, percent, uh, you know, over a hundred percent more oil to. Uh, to pay for it. So before they had to give a thousand barrels, now they have to give maybe twenty, twenty two hundred barrels, something like that. 
oil coming in. So there's massive amounts of oil coming into China. The refineries are going full blast, and they're exporting the oil and competing with the majors here. And, and, and so there's the world is washing gasoline now. They're exporting the gasoline. And, and so that that's a problem. It's hurting oil companies' margins. But this is another example of, of China going after every single job on planet Earth. And uh, this is – it's fortunate that – that uh, that uh, that you know we're now kind of going after globalism a little bit, a bit. But so the, back to this oil, I think is near the lower end of the range. We think it's going to hold the forty-ish area unless something really tough comes up. Uh, but the disappointing thing with the, with the oil sector is refining margins. Before they were making some money on the refining, and it kind of covered their the slowdown in the upstream, the oil production area. I think the oil stocks are still overpriced here. Uh, something to think about, uh, but but this goes back to the globalism. This really, uh, the the tide is turning globally on globalism. Look what happened with Brexit. It, it's happening around the world. People are are losing. You know, what, what's happened in the world today was since two thousand eight. There's a couple mega trends. One of them is massive levering up and taking on debt to try to keep economies going. Number two wasn't really, this might have been the number one thing, is is central banks around the world have been flooding the world with money. The theory being is they could if they could just engage in enough quantitative easing, then the economy would be going again. So what they've done is they've artificially pushed up asset prices. They've pushed up housing prices. They've pushed up stock prices. They've pushed up bond prices. And the rich have gotten much richer. The the middle class and, and, and the poor, they've not gotten real raises in many cases since 2008, which means based on inflation, they're in the same place they were 10 years ago. They're unhappy. They're fed up. They're frightened. They're concerned about their jobs. They're concerned about their future. They're very concerned about their children's future. And they've had it with this this globalism and this in this new world order of infinite amounts of immigration in the United States, uh, we, countries can produce and flood the U.S. with all types of products, and, and, and jobs are fleeing the United States. And, 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 and they're reg- global, it's not been a level playing field on trade. Uh, China has used every trick in the book to keep manufacturers out of China. Uh, and, and we've lost huge amounts of jobs. And now there's a massive rejection of globalism. And fortunately, Donald Trump has come up and really said, hey, you know, this is this is this is the world today. And this is not right. Uh, and he, he had a brilliant comment. Uh, he said uh, he tweeted this out. Hillary's vision is a borderless world where working people have no power, no jobs and no safety. I'm going to repeat that. Hillary Clinton's vision is a borderless world where working people have no power, no jobs, and no safety. And this is what you understand. The world is fundamentally changing out there. And and what we're seeing is is we're seeing the rise of robotics. We're seeing the rise of of driverless cars. Uh, The other day I saw there was a story about a guy was driving down the road watching a Harry Potter movie in his in his Tesla, and a truck pulled in front of him, and the car drove into it automatically and killed him. Now, a lot of people were horrified. I looked at that, and I said, oh, my God, I had no idea you could drive down the road, put your car on autopilot, it would drive you along, and you could do other things in the car. And so I'm thinking, well, if I'm just driving down the freeway, a truck's not going to come across the road and cut in front of me. So, hey, wow, this I'm in the car an hour a day each way. This would be really great for me. And I'm like, I would love to have a Tesla, but, you know, I'm dealing with the price issues. But but that's the world. The world is changing. Robotics are coming. Computer power is so powerful that now we're able to sit there and do things. And sensors are becoming so powerful that we can drive cars down the road by themselves. We can have fully automated factories. We can build all types of things. We can have robots doing all types of things. That's going to be the need give us the need for less workers. Now, we can pay the workers more, which is good. It, but this means we don't need 10 million immigrants every other year coming into the flooding into the country because we don't need all those jobs. We're going to have trouble keeping jobs for ourselves. So what we have now, if you're a central banker, 
What you think is, you think you're looking and going, uh-oh, the demographics are shrinking. There's less workers, so the economy is going to shrink. Therefore, we have to flood the U.S. with more workers. That's what the globalists are saying. That's what the, the Bush, the Bush, you know, Bush globalism, that's what the Republican globalism, that's what the Democratic globalism, that's what George Soros' globalism is, that's what the central bankers' globalism is. We can flood all the, the they can bring in people, for immigrants from all over the world, and, and that, they will eliminate our demographic problem. We don't have a demographic problem because globalism robotics are going to change the world and we can build a much more exciting world but we need less people so we don't need the immigrants we'll be right back after this quick break in the max out savings show the max out savings show with ted gioka will return shortly to speak with Ted Gioka now, call 713-339-1070. Back in a moment with the Max Out Savings Show. It's getting warm out there. No, it's getting hot out there. So get out of the Texas heat and come to Pasadena Gun Center. We have a 25-yard indoor range, great prices on firearms, a full-service gunsmith, and 50 bucks in-house license to carry classes. Plus, every Wednesday is Ladies' Day. Ladies, you shoot free all day, and both machine and handgun rentals are half price for all customers. Ammo purchase required. Pasadena Gun Center, 206 East Shaw in Pasadena. Call 713-472-0417 or check them out online at PasadenaGunCenter.com. Pasadena Gun Center. Why go anywhere else? We return now to the Max Out Savings Show. Here's Ted Gioka. Welcome back to the Max Out Savings Show. If you've got a question or comment, you can give us a call at 713-339-1070. By the way, if you haven't signed up for our free Max Out Savings Report, we write a lot about the stuff we talk about on this. We talk about savings, investment, the world, how it's changing, robotics, everything, savings and investments. It's in the Max Out Savings Report. It's free. Our most recent one, we were talking about the importance of having an ad blocker, not just on your computer, but on your phone, because video ads are changing the way the Internet is functioning, and you want you don't want those slowing down your computer take let's take a call from rick hello rick uh good morning ted um you were talking a little earlier about taxes and i'm getting close to retirement age where i'm going to have to be withdrawing from my uh iras and um, the tax deferred um accounts yes Mm -hmm. um i was thinking is it better perhaps to defer your social security and start to draw down on your uh, tax-deferred accounts and let them come out at, um, you know, how the, how the taxes are tiered. You would end up maybe, if you took out sixty or $70,000, you would end up getting a lower overall tax rate than if you put all the buckets together, so to speak, and just took the 4% here and 4% here. Yeah, you know... That's an interesting question. Uh, my philosophy is is more you're better off holding off on Social Security as long as possible because every year it goes up approximately 8%. So if you hold off a year, you're getting about 8% more. And, and where we see the real risk uh, on uh, with your retirement, Rick, is if you're married, one of y'all has about a 25% chance you're going to live to be 95, 96, 97 years old. That means you got about 30 years. And, and most people don't have any problem the first 10 years, but when you're 30 years into retirement, you know what seems like a whole heck of a lot of money saved up in, in you know 30 years before really isn't that much. Yeah, I know that you know if you pull out that money, uh, you're going to have to put it into something uh, like mutual funds or um, the um, the buckets. They yeah, call so them. you so you really do you just not not need the money or? Yeah, I probably won't need it. Uh, I've I've been moving into real estate and yeah. and hopefully there will be cash flow <laughs> from multifamily apartments. Yeah, I, I uh, tell you, one of the things too with real estate, it gives you some depreciation. To de- yeah. to, 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 to and by the way, I, I think that's a good idea. We're looking at that for some of our clients here in the future over time because I like the depreciation aspects of it, uh, and, and then and then it tends to kick in much bigger ten ten years down the line. Uh, you know, are, are you worried about what you're sort of thinking is is uh, taking more out of your IRA, so you'll have to take less out when you're seventy and a half. 
Well, for the R&D? Um, uh, you know, uh, when, you're, when you're pumping money into this uh, IRA o- over the years, you, you think, oh, this is wonderful, it's all tax-deferred. But now I look at it and I say, uh, oh, I've got uh, uh, 700000 in there, but uh, wait a minute, uh, Uncle Sam, has a, <laughs> he's got 25 to 30% of it that I owe to him. Yeah. So if I can, I, I got to get it out now. And really, the, when you brought up taxes earlier in the program, it, 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 this is what I've been thinking about. Those, those IRAs, we really don't have as much as we think we do. And I think you have to get it out and put it into something that maybe it's being taxed, but you've got to still manage your money until you... You leave this earth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, and the other thing, Rick, too, uh, the other thing about taking some out ahead of time and holding off a little on your 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 other thing, if you're going to put it away into a different bucket, is that that gives you a bigger bucket. So let's say you're 75 years old and you you have a medical emergency and it's going to cost you twenty five or thirty thousand dollars. You 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 can just take it out of your your after tax bucket. And not have to pay right. the taxes, or if you need a new car, you can write a check for thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars, and not jump your tax rate up. Right. So right. That, that's, that's where I, I would... see the bigger, the, the bigger thing where we see problems with with with, with that too much uh, IRA money. The advantage of the IRA, Rick, is is really is that hey, you're you're in a high tax bracket. If something goes wrong elsewhere, that that. The, the, the one of the advantages of the IRA it kicks you into a lower tax bracket because all of a sudden you're not making the money you thought you were, so you can pull money out at a lower bracket and it gives you a little bit more. Right. So it is right. there is some cushioning. There there's kind of an intrinsic cushioning with that IRA for high tax bracket people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, thanks very much, Ted. I, I hope that helps out. Uh, a couple things. I would I would. Figure every year you wait, you add eight and a half percent. So maybe it's not a bad idea if you really not don't need the money to take more out of your IRA now and hold off on your on your Social Security. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot, Rick. Uh, by the by the way, here's a this is a couple things uh, I might also help you out. Typically, you're gonna have to take about three and a half percent out of your IRA for your first R- RMD. And you say, well, that's not too bad. But when you hit 75, it's about 4.3%. When you hit 80 years old, it's 5%. When you're at 85 years old, you're taking 6.7% of your IRA out every year. So that starts to getting a, be a pretty big chunk of money. And so sometimes it's not a bad idea to take some of that out ahead of time, put some money on the side. Uh, but understand the older you get, the more money you're going to have to take out, which is going to kick you into that higher bracket. Uh that's questions with the IRA. If you've got any questions or comments, 713-339-1070. This is the last segment of the Max Out Savings Show. We are live here in Houston, Texas. And by the way, to get the Max Out Savings Report, which is free, uh, you go to the website, maxoutsavings.com. You just sign up for the free report. If you need some help with your IRA rollover, uh, you're leaving the company, you want to move to your 401k plan, that's what we do. We manage funds using our value investing approach to the stock and bond markets. Uh just go to the website, and you can sign up for a, a free meeting with me as well on there. But uh, the I came across an interesting uh, study here. Uh, it was actually in USA Today. Is the stock market eight nineteen of the last twenty two years uh, since nineteen twenty two presidential elections since nineteen twenty eight has predicted the uh, the presidential election. It, and if you look at it, is how the stock market performs three months before the November election determines who wins, which right now is since the stock market is hitting record highs, it, that's really telegraphing that Hillary Clinton is going to win. Now then, uh, having said that, uh, a, a couple a couple thoughts. This is one reason why the Fed is being so dovish and pushing the stock market up, because they know the Democrats are going to be much more favorable to the Federal Reserve, and they're sort of... Tw- I think they're pushing the election to the Democrats a little bit. They're concerned what the Republicans are going to do to them. And and they know this as well as the Obama administration. Uh, But the the exception, there was a couple exceptions, 1956, 1968, and 1980 with Ronald Reagan. So, and I think Trump is is, is really kind of an analog to Ronald Reagan in many ways. So it'd be interesting to see, but but the stock market, we have to watch and see if it keeps going up 19 out of the last 22 times. That's an 86%. You know, that's a 
big deal. So so understand the stock market is a big determinant of, of who, who gets elected president. Uh, the I, we came in, we had some numbers. Uh, the second quarter GDP came in. They were expecting two point six percent. Now, let me let, let me set the table here. The stock market is at hit record highs here recently. The, the second quarter GDP came in. They were expecting a two point six percent return. I mean, two point six percent. GDP growth for second quarter, which is okay. It's not spectacular, but it's chugging along. The number came in Friday. It came in at 1.2%, a complete shock. The durable goods orders dropped as well. Durable goods uh, were were down 4%. Uh, They were expecting about 1.4% decline. Now, this is airlines, which is a little volatile, but still, 4% drop in durable goods year over year. Uh, GDP came in at 1.2% versus expected 2.6% going. What's going on? The stock market's hitting new highs. What this is, is this is, we call it TINA. There is no alternative. The Federal Reserve has taken rates down to zero, the lowest in history. Listeners of the show learned, uh, know that over the last three weeks ago, we were talking about the, the lowest interest rates in the history of the world for the 10-year Treasury bond, and they're pushing them down right in front of an election, and, and people are going, well, I'm not making any money there. I'm getting zero in my money fund. Oh, no, what do I do? I'm just going to have to hold my nose, jump into the stock market, and hope for the best, and hope it doesn't crash. That's not a good plan, but but understand, you're doing that against a, a market where the GDP is, is only 1.2% growth, and you're looking at 4% negative uh, uh Durable goods orders, a weak economy. So you've got to be very careful in this market. You have to have your guard up and don't let the market suck you into investing everything in because when it goes bad, it's going to be very tough. You have to have a plan. Let's take a call from Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Ted. Always a great show. Bottom line is, how do these people keep their jobs? Now, seriously, if I had predicted 2.6 at any type of private corporation and it came at 1.2, I'd be in the unemployment line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, one thing, economies are notoriously, notoriously hard to predict. And and the Federal Reserve keeps pretending like they can, but they really can't. And and, and it's one. I tell you, one of the shocking things to me, Daniel, is if you look at Venezuela, yes, it's a socialist country. Right. There's people waiting in line for food. They're literally rioting at the grocery store. And Colombia was forced to open their borders because Venezuelans were storming the were storming the border crossings to get over to buy food. They were so hungry. So people are starving in Venezuela. The government is still there. So don't think that a bad outcome will, will lead to a change. You have to make the change happen. And, and what what to, to answer your question is is these people clearly don't have a, have a clue on the economy. It's harder for economists to do it. But they no no wait a minute wait a minute Ted. The whole thing is if Trump gets elected, he really has a right to fire these people. If you are in that bad, seriously, if you're missing that much over fifty percent, I'm sorry, you need to be look for another job. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people who have been completely, uh, you know, if this economy has, the Fed has been claiming this economy is going to recover and take off for the last eight years, and they've been wrong. Yeah, and they need to be replaced, in, in, in my view. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay, yeah. thanks, Ted. Okay, good question, Daniel. But yeah, that's kind of the frustrating thing. I mean, look, this is why Donald Trump is so popular. I, people are like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, Donald says some things. Yeah, there's problems here, there, but hey, what are I, you know, it's like, I don't care. You know, once people, you know, that's that's not a good place for people to be in. And government should recognize this is not just in the United States. By the this happened in Britain. It's happening all over the world. People, you know, the Chinese are dealing with the same problem. Yeah, I, I can do one more. Could, see if we can get that one on real quick. But uh, and so it, it's just interesting. Tell what we've got a call coming in. See if we can get them real quick. Oh, OK. Hey, you got a question for us. Hello? Hello? Hello, do you have a question? Uh-oh. Well, maybe not. Uh so anyway, so so the world is changing. There the, the 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 people are turning against globalism, they're turning against immigration. But what I want you to understand is 
some of the di- some of the trends if if our demographics are slowing down we're getting older if we need more workers what we use is we use productivity to boost the worker productivity we use technology to make the country a greater place we can get by with less workers so things work in our favor and that's what we want to do and what we want to do is build a more spectacular country back when the automobile was came in people thought it was a danger it was a threat but we built roads we we had systems we had cars we had trucks we changed the world and the world is going to change with with technology with with tremendous computer power we have today with with tremendous sensor power today and big data is going to change the world and robotics are going to change the world and what we want to do is make a greater united states we don't need more immigrants to do this and, and we don't need globalization we need to, we can now move our factories back to the u.s using robotics and build the same things overseas and that's what we need to do but we're seeing record low uh u.s investment instead corporations are buying back stock they're they're and 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 they're uh and they're cutting capex and things like that that's not going to get us anywhere it's been a failure for eight years things are starting to change it's exciting hey if you need some help go to the website maxoutsavings.com that's maxoutsavings.com you can sign up for our free report you can also sign up for a meeting with me if you're leaving your your company you're switching jobs you have an old 401k plan that's what we do we manage your assets uh we'll hold them we use uh, td ameritrade's one of our people we hold the assets there and we'll manage it for you using our our, our value investing approach to the stock and bond market we're registered investment advisors so we'll 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 sit down with you we'll see where you're set how you're set for retirement we'll take a look at your financial situation see how you're set we'll we'll give you some ideas there and we'll and then we'll show you how we would manage the money so if you need some help just go to the website maxoutsavings.com that's maxoutsavings.com but at a minimum sign up for the free report once you're on the list, we send you out the report about once a month. I've got to get out there next report. I, I, we had a really interesting one, I thought, on ad blockers the other day about the importance of putting an ad blocker on your computer system. We talk about in 2007, we predicted the investment banks were going to fail. They did. We were a year ahead of everybody else. We put stuff in there to help you save money and invest it wisely for the future. So if you need some help, go to the website at maxoutsavings.com. Well, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Remember our motto, it's to save aggressively and invest conservatively. That's the key to building up wealth. You want to take charge of your retirement, of your assets, and your future. It, and, and that's how you do it. That's how people do it. We've seen them do it for 30 years. Just save aggressively as much as you can and then conservatively manage the money. I hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll see you next week right here on the Max Out Savings Show. This has been the Max Out Savings Show with Ted Gioca, a presentation of Max Out Savings Advisors. Produced by Doug Harris and Noisemaker Communications. Join us next Saturday at 10 a.m. for the Max Out Saving Show with Ted Gioka on AM 1070. The answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.